want to try to do an intro with Chris or with or without Chris? With or without Chris. I feel like Chris would be a good guy to try doing it with. I, how about this? This this be our new rule. If we're okay. all three here, we just do it. Okay. Do it. All right. Especially because I'm leaving soon. Like It'd be good to have it like so we can just release it. I swear to God. Are, are we ready? Are we ready to roll? I'm, I'm ready. You, I'm not. How do you feel? I'm here. I am here. I'm not here. I'm okay. I feel good. Here. I'm very excited you're here. You look fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. You are a handsome dude. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> Thank you. It's going on track! Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. Oh man, this is a good one, folks. Oh my God. I'm Jonah. I'm Steven. I'm Brad. And today's guest is... Chris Farron. What? Chris he Farron. does his own intros, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Punk celebrity, fake problems, t-shirt, entrepreneur. Antartigo Vespucci. Um, and so you've done this, and, and what I like, our, our great backwards way of hanging out with people. First, the live show and perform and hang out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then come on oh, with your other project, uh-huh. and now you. Yeah. Like, this has been a steady build. It's been a layer cake of Chris Farron. Yeah, I'm loving Every it. Every time you're in town, man, you got to come by. I love it. Please. Uh, it's the best. It. I think that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also uh, a podcaster in his own right. That yeah. is true. Yeah. I actually just started another podcast. Why not? Oh, yeah? Yeah, why not? What's... Me and my friend Casey, who used to be in Fake Problems with me, uh, it was his idea... Uh, he, so he got arrested for smoking weed, um, and wasn't able to smoke weed for like three months. And if you know Casey, it's like crazy that he has, that he's wasn't allowed to smoke weed. So he had to get like tested regularly? Yeah, yeah. So he couldn't smoke weed for three months. That's so crazy. And he's been smoking weed since he was like 12. He's like a person version of weed. Um, so weed personified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is what I was looking for. Um, so he smoked weed for the first time after three or four months, and the very first idea he he had that came to him through his his drug addled thoughts was a podcast called Wing Nuts about exclusively about chicken wings and airplanes. And he asked me to co-host it with him. Of course. And I, of course, I said yes. So wh- where, when can we expect to hear it? It's on SoundCloud now. Beautiful. Trying to get it on iTunes. I don't know why I can't figure that out. <laughs> um, and Chris's other podcast, Back from the Island. Yeah, Back man. to the Island. Back to the Island, uh, excuse me. It's Jeff Rosenstock and I talking about Lost. How many episodes are you into now? I think we're at like 22 or 3 and you watch them out of order. So when you hit the final season, are you just sad for that week or? Well, we've, we've done a couple final season episodes so far and it's just like a, a weird bummer, but it's actually more exciting those episodes because they're so awful that it makes for a better podcast at least. Yeah. Yeah. So much to talk about with those. God bless. Um, yeah. I did an episode of that. FYI. If yep. you guys want to check it out. It check was it super out. super fun. What was that called? It was, it was a big Charlie episode. Oh, Greatest Hits. Greatest Hits. Yeah. About Drive Shaft. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. The greatest band in lost history. Speaking I, of the greatest band, uh, Chris had a bit of a 21st century uh, breakdown the other night. Oh, talking uh, about Green Day? <laughs> because, I was, I was, because someone called them the greatest band. I was, yeah, someone called that, and then you just went on this, this, this Twitter tirade. Well, it about actually them. started it's, it's in the car. Yeah. The night before. Wait, so somebody like. called Green Day the greatest band. This happened like four years ago, and I just remembered it. I was doing an interview with Fake Problems. We were, 
it was it was when we had a, a publicist who was he was okay but he could only get us like very bizarre things <laughs> um and it was uh, the, the, his big get for us in, on this record cycle was some guy's apartment that was like webcast out live during it and um we were talking we, well, first of all we got there and we were really hungry because we had just gotten into LA and we were like, is there like a pizza place around here? And the guy just goes, I don't eat pizza. I don't know. <laughs> and we're just like, okay, strike one. <laughs> um, and then we go up to his, just his one bedroom apartment and we just sit down in front of like a webcam camera and he's barely interviewing us. There's green day posters all over the place. Um, people are like, it's like a chat room and people are saying like, why is this so boring? They're so boring. And we're like, what are we supposed to be doing? He's not even interviewing us barely. And we're like, yeah, we're playing tonight at the Troubadour or whatever. And we like maybe asked him if he was coming. He's like, no, sorry, man, I'm seeing the greatest rock band of all time. And then he points up to a 21st century breakdown green day poster and says green day. And I can't now for some reason I can't stop thinking about it. It came up in the car and yeah, and you just went off on it and then started tweeting about it. Yeah, and then when I got home at like two o'clock in the morning, I just made a bunch of. What's the response been like? Have you gotten a lot of? Well, I called Dookie just okay, and that that ruffled some feathers (laughs) among my followers. Um, But I got into some good conversations, and then for some reason I went off on Blink One Eighty Two after that. Um, But yeah. Very controversial. Yeah, it led to me downloading Insomniac by Green Day, and that's a great record. That is a very good. Is record. it? I don't think I've ever listened. Yeah, to that it's a record. good one. It, yeah. That was like the last one I got. It's good because you can go, oh, wow, these sounds like these. They sound for the most part like original songs they wrote. Yeah, they came up with. <laughs> yeah, which is which is my biggest problem with them because I, I I I remember a long time ago. I mean, guys, if you're listening. <laughs> um, and you want to come by the podcast and talk, please do. But I, I was I was working at Fuse and I heard Green Day music I, I didn't know coming from oh, my boss's office. And it's like, what's going on? And there were there were windows above everybody's office. So mm-hmm. I I never really have a good professional ethic. So I climbed up on these filing cabinets and just put my head up. And there was uh Green Day's manager, Pat Magnarella, and playing the new record. Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, can I He's like, we're having a meeting. I'm like, yeah, but I want to hear it too. <laughs> and they brought me in and my wife was in there too. And that was a problem. She works at Fuse as well. And she's like just glaring at me like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I want to hear that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I must be very used to getting that look. <laughs> Fucked up. <laughs> but so we're listening to the record and it was 21st Century Breakdown. And one of the songs come on, the one that's the Hive song. Oh, yeah. And it comes on. It's the exact riff. And I look around the room like, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're not we're not going to acknowledge. We're not going to. Okay, all right, all right. I'm going to go. Thank you for playing this, these couple of songs for me. This has been great. Uh, yeah. I'm leaving. Wow, and I didn't know what to do. And then that kind of started the whole. I remember when I first heard Basket Case, and because I love Long Youth, that was a great song. And your Basket Case, and I'm like, are they ripping off Blind Melon because it's the same melody. Yeah. Uh, all I can say, and I'm like, well, what? And it, yeah, and then started this pattern of going back in time and listening to a lot of Green Day songs, and being like, "Wait a minute, wait and then, a minute!" And then no they, like they rip songs. off their own songs too. They recycle their own riffs because the first song I ever learned how to play on guitar was um, 
it's on Insomniac. It's and the Godzilla soundtrack. It's like <laughs> Dan it. Oh, brain stew. Yeah. yeah, that's the first song I ever learned how to play on guitar. And the second song I ever learned how to play was uh, "Hitchin' a Ride" by Green Day. And it's it's so uh, brain stew is dan 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 and hitching a ride is dun 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 it's the same exact progression <laughs> that's so funny you know my, i saw green day when i was 15 and i don't know how this happened do you know stuff happens when it seems normal at the time uh-huh. i went with five friends and we rented a limo <laughs> <laughs> i'm not kidding i have pictures and i had like like weird blue long hair and we rented a limo we went to my friend's house Took all these photos, then rented a limo. The limo waited for us at the show the whole time. And then we were like moshing in the back of the limo. <laughs> like Because there was all this traffic. It was a Blossom Music Are you music sure this center. wasn't a dream? I swear it happened. And it <laughs> it was, sounds like a great idea to go to a show, though. It's it, it, None of us were old enough to drive, and this was our answer. And like our, our parents had to pay for it. But I remember it was like... 40 bucks a person. It like, wasn't expensive. Yeah, I guess expensive. it wouldn't be that I mean, Because there were like six of us. But yeah. I remember like the limo driver being like, can you guys stop like moshing in the back? <laughs> and like we were trying to like, we're out the sunroof, like saying what's up to everyone. <laughs> like it was probably Sam I Am opened. Okay. Uh, wow. They were touring on Clumsy, I think. Uh, but yeah, and it, I never really, that was a great experience. But Green Day were on the rock show, right? Yeah, a bunch. You yeah. Them a whole bunch, which is why, you know, once you, that's why I feel so duped because I remember when, uh, at the time at Fuse, MTV had this clause that they got the exclusives to all videos because they were the only game in town and it was just kind of included, so they never did anything. So when American Idiot came out, they wouldn't let Fuse play the video. Really? So, yeah, so there was a live version from the AOL sessions of American Idiot, so we just played it. It sounded great. They were yeah. really, I mean, I was, they were so good on that record, the way they played. Mm-hmm. So we just played that over and over again. And then years later, I hear about the Dillinger 4 song. Oh yeah, and then I'm just now I'm just I think I'm just mad. Yeah, and I've been mad, and then it's and then it occurred to me recently with you know Led Zeppelin getting sued over Stairway to Heaven that I'm like oh shit Green Day's like Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah, I've I've kind of quite a bit thought that before too. Yeah, yeah. Chris, let me ask you something. Has have you ever written a fake problem song and then someone's come back to you and been like, "It sounds like this song, and it's some song you've never heard before." I think that happens to me fifty percent of the time when it, I write a song. Happens, yeah, I mean, it <laughs> yeah. happens. There, there is, and not, most of them don't get released. And if they do, they get like changed so much they wouldn't be able to. It's really a, it tell. is inevitable. I mean, like I'm not excusing Green Days, but it is sometimes that does happen where there's like so many notes and so many melodies, and you're well, like, "Oh yeah, I didn't even know this. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard it's, of this song." Yeah, it's ch- chance on one thing and it's subconscious on mm-hmm. the other. And like, but yeah, if it happens, like, you know, there's, if it happens over and over again, or, or if you actually use the same exact guitar sound that wire you, it's so like, frustrating when you do it because, like, to write a song is, is a difficult thing in general. And when, like, I'll get on a roll and I'll write a song and be like, yes, I did it. I'm so proud of myself. And then I'll play it for my girlfriend and she'll be like, you know that sounds like Teenage Dirtbag, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And then I just sink into depression for a week. Then you break up with your girlfriend. <laughs> when you get back together. <laughs> yeah. didn't, didn't John Fogarty get sued for... Sa- for ripping off himself. himself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. It, oh, wow. Who sued him? Um, His record, the record label that had all the Creedence stuff. Like, the Rainbow, right? He got so ass-fucked, more than anybody ever to the, the to the point To the point, like, he refused to talk to the band ever again, play at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, he just... It's a fetish. Good, he took all, all his publishing for that, all that, all those the, classic Creedence songs. Everything. And then, and then had the balls to, like, try to sue him 
when he was doing his solo career in the eighties, like yeah. for sounding not, it wasn't even a publishing issue. I don't think I'm pretty <clears throat> sure that he, they sued him, tried to sue him for basically sounding like his old band or something. I can yeah. Oh, go for no, it. No, please, Chris. This band that I know, are you, are you as Friends Rust? Of course. Great. Florida. Great. Crazy great band. Yes. What a crazy good band. Yes. They basically broke up and became another band called Salem. Yes. And th- that band like put an EP out on Epitaph. It was, or maybe it was a record. Fiddler, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. And they had that they had a new singer. This yeah. Guy Adam, Adam still talk to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um from Naples. Yep. Um but that on that uh Salem EP, they took a riff from an old as friends rust song like some like this really slow pretty song and and they just made it into another song and i guess when they would play it live people would be like fuck you that's not your song you ripped that off of as friends rust and they're like we are basically as friends rust we can do whatever we want i think it's also like <laughs> we are like such an obscure band ripping off an equally pretty obscure band <laughs> yeah. that, that most of us were in yeah yeah and it's funny how that always happens to like guitar players but Never happens to drummers. Like that sounds just like the beat from this other song. Well, yeah. it's not a whole lot you're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Unless, <laughs> although Steve, help me out here, Brad. Okay. Steve Gad sued for a co-writing credit to Paul Simon and won for Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover. That I don't know about. Because what? The, I mean, that drum beat. It makes the song right. To that song, yeah. And like he wasn't gonna. And like drummers never usually don't ever get writing credits unless it's kind of a deal the band makes that everybody splits it off no matter what i think that's the way to go that's how the ramones were and they got that started half the problem because johnny didn't write shit Mm -hmm. you know and but he you know they all took from really yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah, i feel like i always assume the guitar player writes a lot of the music wasn't a nice person yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think that's that's also just being a guitar player you're just like that's like i'm just like yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they do everything not the case not the like, case in any of my bands like Dee wrote the majority of it and really like, like joey wrote most of the popular shit like rockaway yeah. beach and and tommy wrote blitzkrieg i think kind of um, that i know this is going to be very controversial but speaking of john fogarty man i wrote about how much i hated ccr recently mm-hmm. people got really mad and i, I used like, to love them and now i've just now ugh. started to come around on not liking they're them. like they're like in the same boat as like i like a lot of classic rock but they're in the same boat as like the steve miller band the eagles for me where i'm just like every time it comes i hate on, the steve miller band. <laughs> but i it, actually went the opposite way with steve miller i i came to appreciate him because the records just sound so I don't know. I think I was getting into it from like a technical perspective. It may, but like, he is he a lot, Magic he did, Carpet he did a lot Ride? For, he did a lot I think for, so. No, Magic Carpet Ride's... Um, Steppenwolf? Steppenwolf, yeah. Steppenwolf. But he's like that. He's he's in the same boat. <laughs> but when he's you listen... Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you, from like... Yeah, it's mostly from an engineering point. You listen to those records, those Steve Miller band records, and they fucking... Everything is dead dry. It's amazing yeah. how this shit sounds. But then there's all this ambient stuff that's just like delays and yeah. I don't know. I, I really get into listening to the record like a few years back, but I don't think it was for the song. I like a good dry record every once in a while. I like a dry record. I like um from Sonoma, maybe a dry Some of the white. newer Iron and Wine records are like super dry and it's it's pretty cool. And then I, uh that Tegan and Sarah record, uh the one before the one that just came out. The con? Like, no, the one mm-hmm. after that. Like the one Chris Wallet, well, I guess Chris Wallet did almost all of them. I, th- I forget what it's called. The one with alligator tears and God, what's it called? Hold on, let me check my iTunes. Back. I think that maybe my Steve Miller thing is also like 
projecting stuff. It like reminds me of like high school and like being at parties and like people making out with girls and me like staring at the ground, being yeah. like, ugh, no one will talk to me. <laughs> and that fucking song's playing and it's yeah. driving me crazy. Yeah, yeah. It takes me back there and it's not a fun spot. Yeah. I, Very true. When I, in, <clears throat> when I was in high school, it was all the jocks for the guys wearing Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin shirts. Yeah. So, so that's what uh, I associated it all with. That's really interesting. Yeah, I never got into Pink rich. Floyd at all. I I got the only thing I I got it. I saw that live from Pompeii DVD. Oh, that's fun. And then I bought it, and that thing is fucking awesome. But I don't never really listen to any of their records. But I was just yeah. they're playing on like this crazy ruins, and like they're running up this thing and banging a gong, and it's like it's there's, the guitar solos are sick. There's yeah. no one there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that video is cool. But yeah, I never really got super into them. Yeah, I find if it. I need like context to get into something that I like missed totally. Yeah. So like if there's not like a good rock doc or something I can watch <laughs> about a band that like I wasn't there for, it's it's unlikely that Have I'm. Have you gonna... seen any good rock docs lately? The punk singer, yes. the Kathleen Hanna one, that's great. Yeah, and that then one is I great. bought a bikini kill shirt nice. right when it was over. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I do former going off track guest JD Sampson's in that one a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, have you seen that? No, I want to. It's really cool. I didn't know. It's any terrifying. Of yeah, I yeah, didn't know a lot of that. It stuff. talks a lot about the Lyme disease yeah. that she has to go through. Like that's like so scary to think like that you could just have to stop making music basically because of health reasons. Yeah, scary, yeah. heavy stuff, guys. I did see. I, I saw Bikini Kill once, and it was uh, one of those fun just DC punk shows where it's like everyone hanging out on stage and mm-hmm. everyone watching, and I just remember going. Dude's in a dress. Oh, and all these women. Oh, cool. All right, all right on. <laughs> it was them, then L7, then Fugazi for the show. And Great. It was one of those. Classic. One, one of those where show. you're just like, $5. <laughs> awesome day. <laughs> where a lot of times you're like, $5. That band owes me $5. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Chris, someone recently, you recently performed at Brooklyn Bazaar. I did. With former Going Off Track guest Dave Haas. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and someone printed out one of your tweets. Someone printed out a bunch of my tweets. <laughs> yeah, and can I, you talk about and, this? And brought them to me to sign, and then they gave me one just for for keeping. Like printed out like banner style? They like put like dot an image they put, they put, um, I know who did it. It's, it's a, it's a. Uh, a nice woman named Tiffany. She she has a Tumblr called Fair Inspirations. Fair in- Inspiration kind I of. I love it. Um, and it and she puts my tweets over like beautiful photos of like like landscapes and and kind of like motivational like looking uh, deep, sc- scenic images. Deep thoughts with Chris. Fair. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah, and uh, she just and that's what that Tumblr is. So they. So some people brought uh, printed off versions of those and had me sign a, a bunch and then gave me one. Had that happened? Were you aware of this beforehand? Uh, I think they kind of alerted me that they were going to do it. But <laughs> I was still surprised to see it actually happen. What's it like when you see people with Chris Farron shirts? Because I feel like that must be different than seeing someone with like, just like a fake problem shirt. Yeah. It's cool. I love it. Of course I love it. I love attention. <laughs> um, it's awesome because, you know, I I don't even like ship them out anymore. I have somebody else do it, but I know when people order them. So I see them get ordered and I'm like, I'm always more excited when people order the Chris Farron shirts as opposed to the Smith shirts. Um, so it's, it, 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 but then when I see it, it's, it's, it's always very surprising and it's very cool. And yeah, and it's Adela- funny because it's literally m- me, my face. <laughs> 
I like that this show too, Chris was just selling Chris Farron tank tops and cassettes. Yeah, that's all I had. <laughs> I don't know why. I wanted to have shirts, but there was an error, a miscommunication in my email. <laughs> uh, aren't cassettes just a giant waste of time? We, yeah, we it was both, actually not my have idea to have cassettes. cassettes. And I feel like neither of us are really into the idea. I, yeah, it was it was uh, the record label that put it out, No Sleep Records. They they wanted to do a split with me and this guy on on that's putting a, a full length record out on No Sleep. This guy Greg Gordon, um, and they were like, "Do you want to do this cassette split?" And I was like, "Sure." I'm. Why wouldn't I say yes to anything? <laughs> cassettes used to be like more expensive to make. Yeah, than even CDs. We, yeah, I bet they're pretty cheap to I make. I think at they're this pretty. Point. We did cassettes in the in the new in that United Nations box set. Yes, and uh, they had a Walkman at Tempres, and I listened to it. And I was like, I expected to sound like shit. I was like, it actually sounded good. Like you could hear the bass. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not defending them, but I was, and it comes with a digital download too. Is it because a lot of your bands that you guys are in now, you didn't get. The, the joy of having your album art shrunk down and put on a small cassette. You want I think to feel so. that? I think it's just like a nice little kitschy thing to How have. Goops I mean, we didn't make that many of, it, of them either. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird, oh God, it's like. Well, the problem with cassettes is that they, uh, they're more, well, yeah, they're probably more prone even than like vinyl to the playback mechanism. Like, Right, like the they get playback worse every of a, time. There's listen. so much mechanical stuff that can go wrong with a cassette that, like, it's more than any other format you're ever going to offer your audience. It's really the experience is going to be far different between like each user. When you give it out, do you include like a, like a Chris <laughs> Farron pencil so they can rewind? Yeah. It? <laughs> well, I, I that's a good idea. I should. I'm trying to like think outside of the box and have more interesting merch ideas. Here's, here's the best merch idea and the only one I ever came up with and they finally took me up on it years later. Uh, again, talking about my former place of work from years ago, Fuse. I said, you guys should just get a Sharpie sponsorship so that all Sharpies say Fuse on it because then they'll make their way over to MTV and that'll be funny. And when I was working for Alternative Press in the booth, I used to borrow Sharpies from Fuse like almost every day. <laughs> Smart, see? Yeah. So Chris Farron Sharpies. That's Chris a great Sharpies. idea. Great idea. You can do it. That's good. Yeah. And I'm out. Uh, <laughs> so Chris, you're in town. You played a show. I played a show. We saw Against Me. We saw Against Me together. And Jenny, and, and and Jenny Young's. Young's was uh, so great so show. good. So good. She's has she been she's been on this. She she's been on once and she did one of our live podcasts. But we should have her back. She's great. She's oh man. That was the first time I had ever Chris met Farron her. Type. She can come by anytime. Yeah, yes, that's yeah. true. I can't believe you guys hadn't met before. Yeah, we're just like it's so crazy how many like actual like legitimate friends I've made on the internet. Like as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how does that happen? Sort of you she's friends with a lot of your friends and then you just kind of Yeah, well I don't even remember how it first started. I think I just saw like a review of one of her records on like the ruckus or something and I was like, I'll check that out. And I listened to it and I loved it so much, so I just started following her on Twitter probably and then just kind of started favoriting her tweets and communicating with her and then the rest is history Twitter's a weird thing because it can do such cool things like that but it also can be such a huge time suck or like yeah. I feel like when I'm just sitting at home and I'm on it I'm like I could have like cleaned my whole apartment yeah. in the time I've learned nothing yeah I've been getting better at that yeah I've I mean there are definitely days where I'll just like waste the entire day not just on Twitter but just on the internet doing nothing yeah truly nothing <laughs> 
It's it's disgusting, to be honest with you. We're just making up for not having it growing up. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> what, I can see something immediately. Yeah. But I think you, when you're growing up, you do that too anyways, and you're not making up for anything. I don't anything. know. The accessibility of porn wasn't so awesome. <laughs> well, And now it's on my phone whenever I want it. I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about the uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. They had Jim Norton on, and they were talking about what it would be like to have that much porn at your fingertips like your whole life and like how they think like kids are going to have this totally different ideas of like sex and stuff because they're going to be they're, like, their brains are going to be changed. Well, I like to thank amateur porn for taking it right back to reality. You'd be like, "Whoa, that looked like it hurt." <laughs> not, not, I'm not aroused. Now I'm concerned for your well-being. Taken out of the fantasy. Need more makeup. So now these kids would be like, "Oh wait, there's it'll be like Hollywood to them. What? There's lights and cameras. It's phenomenal." I just I got a um, uh, a fun email from my agent last week that said, um, uh, "Let me know if you want to be submitted for this morning show host for." Uh, show in LA, have to move out there. Playboy Channel. Okay. Oh, Playboy so Morning I Show. I emailed my wife and said, So, do you want to say no or should I say no for <laughs> you? Or how do you want to negate this? And she just got, Absolutely not. So then that just uh, led to all day me just sending her random emails. Now, just to be clear, <laughs> you said, no means don't respond to this and send out like the real and have them see if they want me. We don't want to do this at all. Stop it. Wow. 10, like, 20 minutes later, just so we're all on the same page. Here. <laughs> just to be clear. All day long. <laughs> and, then, and, and I know people who've worked out there, and it's just not something you want the curtain lifted of that world. The, yeah. the Playboy Channel? You, no. And that seems like on the softer side of things, too. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's like the Disney of porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you just dive into the seedy underbelly. Wow. Is yeah. big problem still going on? Yeah. Guys, okay, yeah. We okay. actually we, we recorded a record. Last year at this point, uh, September, we we were in L.A., um, and it's been nothing short of a nightmare to finish <laughs> it, basically. What's what's the final process? Uh, well, we, we ended up running out of time with our producer when we were in L.A. He had to go move on to another project, and we just weren't done. Um, so that we didn't end up tracking we didn't end up tracking the rest of it we were like halfway done when that happened so we had to finish like vocals and stuff in naples at a studio in naples but that we couldn't end up doing that until like january so that happened finally finished tracking and then he was very busy i guess for a while so it took very long time to get it mixed and now it's being it's halfway done being mastered (laughs) And it's just been like a very hellish experience so very because close. we can't tour because our last record came out like four years ago. Like we can do some shows here and there, but like it's not really that much of a like a reason for us to like play shows right now. That's so I'm just trying to do as much stuff on my own as possible mm-hmm. while while in the meantime. It seems like t- mastering half of a record shouldn't take that long. It does seem like that, right? doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like once you get like the first couple songs, you're like, okay, this is the way we want it mastered yeah. for the most part. Yeah, it seems that would be the case. I know it's always way more complicated I, than I, it sounds I, this like it is, I, This is the fourth, fifth record I've been involved in making, and I can't believe how difficult it has been to yeah, finish. Yeah, to Brad. I'll do it in like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the time that it took to mix and master this record, I have 
written, recorded, and released the Antarctico Vespucci record. Written, recorded, and released the Chris Farron Gray Gordon split. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's some yeah. magic going on behind the scenes for this record. Something's being done that's never been done before. Yeah, I hope so. Now with glitter, yeah, <laughs> on the actual tape. <laughs> wow, that's really frustrating. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's super frustrating. But uh, you know. Maybe you can tour with Guns N' Roses when it's done. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> so then you're going to find a home for it and then put it out? Basically? Yeah, yeah. I want to get it out as soon as possible and get back on tour with Fake Problems. But yeah, in the meantime, I'm just doing as much touring and shows on my own. And How do you know when you're writing a song what's Fake Problems and what's Chris? Um, yeah, I don't know because it's this is new for me because my whole life I've just written songs just for Fake Problems. And... Since we finished making this record, I had extra songs that I knew Fake Problems didn't want to use. So I came to Jeff. I came up here and recorded them with Jeff and put them out as Antarctica Vespucci. They were just like super chunky, weasery, power pop songs. Um, And then I I think it's just what I have coming up. I'm just going to write for it. And whatever I write is going to go to that, you know, like... If Fake Problems said, hey, let's make another record, I'd be like, okay, I'll, let's start writing it. And then I would just write that for that. Like, Are I you, you going to play more shows with Jeff? Yeah, I think we're doing a tour in November. No way. Yeah, I think we're going to do the first half of November doing an Antarctica Vespucci tour right after Fest. And then the second half of November, I'm going to fly to the UK and do a solo tour for like two weeks. That's, That's awesome. Yeah, should be really cool. Are you guys going to play at Fest? Yeah, Antarctica's playing. Awesome. I'm I'm playing, Antarctica's playing, and Fake Problems is playing at Fest. I'm playing too. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So at least one of those three bands will be playing while United Nations <laughs> Probably one to three of them. You know, like every time someone's like, I'm playing, I'm like, it's the exact same time as us. That, yeah. I, that's the, the whole festival scene, I think it was Dave Haas was the first person who mentioned this, like how... It, it's kind of, I don't know, like taking away touring from a, from, from a lot of bands. Like, makes sense because a lot of people, you can see all these bands you want to see at once, but then if they're coming through again on their cycle in a couple of weeks after the whole location clause thing is done, then yeah. it's like, oh, I just saw you. But you don't have the same time frame. I don't know. It's very weird to me. I think it's... Yeah. I think, I think festivals are great and then not great. Yeah. No offense to you, Chris, but I feel like Fest is the only way I would want to play Florida. Oh, I mean, no offense taken. Yeah, so it's nice for that because we get to go to Florida and play there, but it's like a great show. Yes, as that opposed is true. to Florida. Florida. No offense to our listeners in Florida. Yes. Yeah, I wish I had more hometown pride. No, I understand. Something man. I think about all the time. I wear a hat that says Naples on it. But other I think than you can that, have hometown pride, but home state, you can be like, oh God. Yeah. Now both, I'm like, God. <laughs> you still live down there, right? I do still live down there, but my time is is ticking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wrote a song called Don't Die in Your Hometown, and almost every interview I've done since then, there are people going, so where do you live? You still live in your hometown? What's the deal with that? You wrote this song. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably move. I feel the pressure. And my lovely girlfriend wants to move, and there's it seems like my time there is drawing to a close. Mm. Yeah. All right. Just got to figure that out. So let's do that now. Let's figure out where Christian. I think Brooklyn. See that I I think Brooklyn, and she says L.A. Yeah, and I like. We were just in L.A. for a week just before I came to New York, and I had a really really good time. Yeah, I I could. I think either one would be a good decision. You can always. 
I just want to be somewhere that I enjoy being when I'm not on tour, you know? Right. If you see the palm trees, L.A. is not a bad place to go head out to. It's true. Steven, how long did you live in L.A.? Seven years. Wow. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but I lived in the... I lived in East L.A. I lived in Los Feliz, which at the time was very affordable, and now apparently is quite the opposite. Yeah. But a lot of our friends live in Silver Lake, which is, you know, the Williamsburg of... Yeah. LA, but what Silver Lake is great, but I like it even further east. There's a little town called Eagle Rock that I think is awesome. Cool. That's where we recorded a lot of uh, our fake problems record, Real Ghost. In Eagle Rock? Yeah. So that's bad memories now. So. What studio? <laughs> no, not, no, the like the record before that. Uh, uh, Kingside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I looked at that place. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. We we actually recorded a lot of our the the record that's not out yet, too, there, and with the guy who owns it at his house and stuff too. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You need to like, have you spent time here? Like with your girlfriend? Like, no, I've I've never been able to kind of like come here with her for an extended, even a week, you know, like I think would be really smart before you moved. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's such a difference, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm pro Williamsburg cause you can walk everywhere and get everything so easily. Yeah, for sure. But a lot of people cheaper. Can't yeah, that's what I'm. That's the, and LA is cheaper. What I gravitate Which, towards. Is it, is it cheaper? Like, like, like at least twice. Yeah, as cheap. it's much really. Cheaper. Yeah, it's insane. Still? Oh yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but like everyone. Well, there's that. more options too. You know, mm-hmm. there's definitely a baseline for living here in Brooklyn, unless boom, you're gonna boom, just boom. total ghetto. That's the baseline. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> I just don't want to have a car. I don't want to deal with no. insurance. Yeah, I, I love driving. Right. You and I are on, I'm, uh, together. I love it. See, I'm a big driving fan. Sitting in traffic for me, not. I stressful. feel like I'm so passive, like looking for parking, having to like fight with people. I hate like, looking for parking, and I hate parking. That's if you can that's find, for I, had sure. a, I had a place and that that I had a a place to park my car that was key like that was worth an extra hundred bucks a month yeah in rent i found that living in la i listened and liked music more really because that would be nice always in the car (laughs) listening to stuff now this was in the days before podcast put put, put yourself in jail so that you can read more that's like it's exactly it it's it's great but it's really what it remember i had the the 10 cd changer in the trunk put that on random and (laughs) Just drive around and sit. But then you find your little side streets. I mean, it's weird, the similarities, because L.A. is just a big, giant piece of graph paper, just like Manhattan. Right. So you can figure everything out, so it's slightly boring. And my theory about L.A. is, why don't you go live by the beach? If the beach is a half hour away, I live by the beach. Like, yeah. And I in Naples, I live very, very close to the beach, and I absolutely never go to yeah. it. See? Yeah. See? Smart. I don't need the beach to tell me what to do. No. <laughs> there are ebbs and flows and waves and crests. Yeah, it's like a big, the dirty ashtray. <laughs> That's where all the poo goes. Yeah. All the poo goes out. This is, this, is the, this is the northeastern beaches. They're just big ashtrays with poo floating <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, I get invited to go to the beach all the time and I've never gone. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you go to the beach, <laughs> yeah. the beach comes home with you. You're like, it's yeah, everywhere. Sand. It's everywhere. I, yeah. When I lived in LA for a year, I realized after I left, somebody asked me like, so did you go to the beach much? And I, I, I did the math and I realized I'd been to the beach in that year twice and both times in engineer boots because I had ridden my bike out there on Mulholland or whatever. So that was my trips to the beach. Nice. <laughs> it's fun, fun place to have a studio out on the beach. On the, on the 
beach. Literally on the beach is the best place to have a studio. <laughs> Maybe that's why your record hasn't come out yet because you recorded it wrong. Yeah. They you can't master to, it because there's too much wave. You need to go to Zuma. A lot of wave filters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep this going. <laughs> Recording puns. Oh my God. <laughs> this could go for days. Um, had any good puns lately? Oh, golly. I feel like I must have. I feel like I'm, I'm popping off puns. Well, you had the pun of to end all puns <laughs> on the way to the Against Me show. Oh, shit. I was pretty proud of this one and sort of asked you this so you would set up the, my pun. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You want to say it or should I say it? I want it? you to say it. Uh, he said, out of nowhere. <laughs> what did, oh, God. I, I tweeted it, too. Uh, he said, uh, I, I'm kind of hungry. I need a snack. Could really go for, could really go for some Laura Jane grapes. <laughs> Wow. And I feel like Laura favorites a lot of my tweets, and that one, like, no. <laughs> that like, was no a resounding response, no. And I, like, tweeted an apology. <laughs> <laughs> but she still talked to us. Yeah, she still talked to <laughs> us. Yeah. Uh, Fat Mike, a long time ago, said he wanted to do a tour, which was Rise Against Me First in the Gimme Gimmies. Oh, there you go. The Big Pun Tour. Yeah. And they were going to cover all of Big Pun songs. That was going to be... <laughs> That's the crux of it. Dude, have you heard about... We were talking about this Legends tour. I guess we were talking about it. There's this tour. It's, it's Offspring, mm-hmm. Vandals, Pennywise, and Bad Religion. Right. Legends. Legends. Legends of what? <laughs> Garbage of, music? Legends of, them, <laughs> of their own. <laughs> Legends of Warp Tour. It's it's crazy. Well, it's in, yeah, but none of those bands play Warp Tour anymore. Right. I would say out of those bands, the only one I could possibly tolerate would be the Vandals. Really? Yeah. Bad, you're not a bad religion fan? I, sorry. I hate <laughs> bad religion. Wow. Really? I think it is garbage music. I, really? Like, I like, like, oh, The Process of Belief. I think that's a good record. Everything else is really maddening to listen to. That's huh. interesting. Sorry, everyone. So Very sorry. So sorry. How dare you have an opinion? You have a lot, yeah. a lot of controversial But hey, opinions. if Epitaph wants to pick up this new Fake <laughs> Problems record, I love it. How do you feel about, how do you feel about Red Velvet? The the food yeah. I hate it, and you know I hate it. I do know you hate it. <laughs> I asked you not to bring that up on the podcast. <laughs> not even red velvet with the nice cream cheese icing frosting on it. No, we were with Dan. There's something wow. about it. We were with wow. Dan Ozzy after the show, and he got red velvet pancakes. I'll, I'll say something about Dan Ozzy. When he gets hungry, watch <laughs> out. He was like, he doesn't drink. He seemed drunk, and he was <laughs> saying stuff about how much he appreciated my friendship. And he was just going on and on and on. It was crazy. Because I think he requires a lot of a lot of calories to like. He's a lot of muscles. He's a strong guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah. But God bless him. I love him very much. Yeah, but yeah, you do not want to be around a hungry Dan. <laughs> no, no. Actually, now I kind of do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's worth. Uh, it's Hold worth on, get that guy one time right now. Yeah. Has um, he been on here? That no, was- we should have him on. We I felt like we tried to do a live podcast. We tried to get him on one of the live podcasts, and he was like. Get someone better than me. He sells himself short. Yeah, he's very. And modest. we said like who Chris Farron, and he said yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, he, he was like he was like I'm not interested. Get someone else. And I was like, but we're, we want you. You uh, and he was like, no. So yeah. maybe we can get him in here. Yeah, maybe now. Maybe <laughs> we might need to like talk to him and be like Dan. You're. I'll come on with him. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you, I'll bring. You, I'll bring him if on. You guys my, would come my on together. I bet you he would do it. That'd be great. We need to dive into this because you're a big nerd, Chris. And, Thank you. Uh, no, no I, that's, that's that's high praise uh, coming from Steven. For me, oh god, yeah. And I know some nerds. <laughs> I know people who get comics for free, like, <laughs> like people that it's great. Um, 
you and Jonah were talking about Edge of Tomorrow before we came in here. Violating uh, our rule of we don't talk, let's start recording. Yeah. But I haven't seen it yet. But from what I hear, it oh. sounds like something I would actually really enjoy, despite the fact Tom Cruise is in it. Yeah. It rocks. It rocks. It's so good. And I don't like movies like that. I saw, like, to me, before seeing it, Edge of Tomorrow was on the same level as, like, that Matt Damon movie, Oblivion, or whatever it was called. Was that what that movie was oh, called? Oh, no, Oblivion sure. was in the Tom Cruise movie. No, what, was, what was the one um, with Elysium. Yeah. That movie is dog shit. I saw that. It was nowhere near as good as District 9. I was actually disappointed by it. Oh, did the same guy make it? Same guy, yeah. Ugh. You saw that, yeah. Jodie Foster's bizarre accent. Yeah, it was very weird. So, in my mind, when I was going in to see Edge of Tomorrow, I was like, this is going to just be like that movie, probably. Just like a mindless action, futuristic movie. But it's so well written, and the story is so cool. It's it's not it's not a shitty action movie. It's like a really cool sci-fi it's a weird movie. Time flux, time yeah, but it's like type the way thing. it's edited is so smart because it's like you see the same stuff kind of over, but it never gets like boring. You're never like, oh, yeah. I've seen this. It's like they manage to keep it interesting and not make anything too long. It's like a sci-fi Groundhog Day. Exactly. See, I'm a fan of a good time travel. I'm gonna go film. see it tonight. You should really? go see it. I, really I was good. gonna go see a movie tonight. You now you see I saw it, it twice. You just sold me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And the second Ooh. time you see it, it's even cooler because. The, at the from the start, you know what's happening. So right. there's like little clues throughout. So like things that like in nerddom, when you see something that you can't wrap your head around, that's new. Yeah, then I'm like, oh, that delightful. You yeah, know, that, I I know. Did whole, you see the Conjuring, the no. horror movie, The Conjuring? No. That's a really good horror movie. I don't too. Do horror. It's great. Yeah, I cry yeah. and pee myself. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually made by the same guy who made these terrible horror movies that were that just came out too, and it has like most of the same people in them. And I can't believe the same guy made it. Yeah, I ah. heard. I mean, I heard it's actually very, very good in that world. But like for me, as far as I go on horror, is like Hellboy. Like that's it. That's where I stop. Okay, you know? <laughs> so not horror. So super comic booky. I do like super comic booky, but I, it's. I'm wondering if the saturation point is happening. With comic book stuff. And movies? Yeah, because it's too much. Because now it's just not, nothing's a standalone. It's But it's actually it's starting to get connected. good. I feel like for well, like 15 to 20 years, every comic book movie that came out was just terrible. Technology And now up. they're actually starting to be good. They are good, but it's like, I, it seems now I'm more excited to wait for the little scene at the end of the credits than I am the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm really stoked to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, me too can't wait because i love i love that's a left turn yeah no one knows who the hell they are no one cares about that super team and most of those characters are like older characters that got thrown together so i dig that but then i mentioned snowpiercer earlier like that was a comic oh really which i didn't know and it was never released in the states it was just some french comic wasn't banned just didn't get the publishing over here and i'm like of course it was a comic book yeah i just saw gus van zandt directing some magna some like Japanese oh, really? comic thing, yeah. Is he doing Akira? No, it's not Akira. No. It's someone I never heard of, but it looked it looked kind of interesting. Huh. Hmm. So. Everyone's doing it now. I guess so. Yeah. Everyone's doing it. Were you? Are you? Were you a comic book guy or just sci-fi I'm movie? I'm not. Dude? I'm not anymore. I was. This is so bizarre. I was crazy into comic books when I was a teenager for like two years, and that's it. I was like obsessed with comic books, and then I think when I started making music, Having I just sex. was like, "I'm done." <laughs> mm-hmm. It was when I I know when it was. Uh, I heard Superman was changing his costume, 
and he when he became like that electric blue and blue red guy, white white and white and blue. He became like an electric. He be, he turned into electricity. They gave him somehow. new powers and split him in half. Yeah, and I loved that. I went crazy for that. Cool. And that, and then I I read every Superman during that period of time, which was like a year probably. And then once that was over, I kind of stuck stuck around for a little bit, and then just fell off completely. So you're a Superman guy. I guess so. Yeah. Did you yeah. see Man of Steel? That's the newer one. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I refused to see it. Really? Yeah, because I don't. Killed. Movies can't get Superman. Well, I don't. I don't like Zack Snyder films because I saw Watchmen and was like, ew. You know? Oh, really? And, I never and, saw that. Um, yeah, ew. You know, read okay. the comic and and forget about the movie. But it's like, it, it's where everything looks like a music video. You know? Yeah, that's annoying. And now that he's going to do the, now they're going to bleed into the dawn of justice and they're going to have the justice league and they just introduced oh, okay. the, what wonder woman's going to look like. I saw looks, that. She looks like Xena. Warrior princess. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all fans of Lucy Lawless. When here, is Chris. that movie? Well, I love out. wonder woman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like a private thing though. Hmm. Hmm. I'm winking. I'm a wonder girl. <laughs> Do you feel weird about that? Or? I don't know who that is. I'm a wonder boy. Mm. Made that one up. Wonder Wait, I know who Wonder Boy. Girl is. Oh, good song. Who's Wonder Girl? That's Wonder Woman's daughter. Uh, no, unrelated? no, no. It was the, she's blonde. Well, see, Jenna, her her backstory is a little convoluted. First, she was Donna Troy. She was an orphan that was found by Wonder Woman in a fire, but then it turned out she was actually a descendant of a Titan, and then became part of a uh, Green Lantern type outer space group. Oh, I was obsessed with Green Lantern too. I, I could keep going. She was also on the Teen Titans. <laughs> Did you go to? She got married actually and had a kid. <laughs> she went out of the future and came back, and it was kind of a Terminator type time travel thing. But anyway, San Diego? No, 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 no. Time to come for you this year. No, let's see if I can go to New York or one of the. I've heard Baltimore's actually blowing up because it's literally just comics. Wait, is Comic Con? It's right, right now. now. Right now, Did something have, happened. No, it finished. It's over. Have it you over been here. before? Something weird mm-hmm. happened. I've never been. I, I, me and Stephen went to cool. the one here once. Okay, we, we went on the most depressing day ever. Like, I think we got in early and there was nobody there and we saw Peter Mayhew with a Chewbacca fame, like, but no one in line to get his autograph and he was hey. just sitting there. Yeah, that was pretty depressing. I just remember, like, a lot of hot girls passing out postcards to, like, really schlubby looking dudes. Yeah. They're, they're, Sounds about right. A, yeah. lot, a lot of them used to be paid to be there, but now it's kind of legit. San Diego is fun, but it's overwhelming. I love that. It's but, right up my alley. Well, fun you, and overwhelming. Well, overwhelming, you can't. Like you can't move. It's oh, okay. like it's like the crowdest subway ever. Yeah, all the time. Wow. Then they do this really fucked up thing at comic book conventions that a friend of mine told me about, and I was I was horrified. So they have preview day at most conventions, which is like press can get in a little earlier, walk around, see things going on. But if you pay extra money, you can go. So all the vendors would pay and go on this preview day before uh-huh. fans can get in. And they would buy up all the exclusives uh-huh. put out by the various companies. And then they would go to the other end of the convention hall and sell the same thing they just bought for crazy amounts of money. Ugh. Which I just think, and I understand rule of first sale. It's why there are used record stores yeah. and antique stores. But fucked up, right? It's like it, scalpers almost, it's, it's kind like, of. It's like I'm buying one of your Chris Farron t-shirts at your show yeah. while you're playing. To- I'm at the other end of the bar selling it for... 
50 more dollars. Yeah. This used to happen not really with the markup, but I remember like going to fests when I was like a teenager and like bands getting on stage when like people had distros before the internet. Yeah. And bands be like, God, everybody had a distro. Everyone had a distro. And I remember being at like Detroit Fest or something and Boy Sets Fire being like, please buy our record from us. Don't buy it from like the 18 other tables that are selling our record. Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah. I never thought about that. But it's also like, I guess if you have a distro, you're still buying stuff wholesale and you want to sell it. I I totally forgot about Every show I ever played, like five or six years ago, everybody came. There was like three tables set up with just distros. Yep. I forgot about that. Yeah, man. That's gone. Yeah, pretty much. I think that is pretty much gone. Maybe you have people with zines and stuff still, but... Yeah. Well, for those of us playing the home game, what is is distro short for something or distribution? I guess, like you know, like the very distro catalog. There used to be just these catalogs, and people would just buy a bunch of records, basically whatever, for like eleven dollars, and sell them at shows for like fifteen. It would be like just somebody comes with like a little a mini record store. Yeah, but like a lot and of this, set it up where everybody sets up the merch. A lot of the stuff was like kind of hard to find. Like it wasn't as accessible, so it's like it must have been in the years when I was really poor. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. Rick. Rick to life, the singer for 25 to life had like the biggest distro. He really? would have this huge one. Yeah. I remember. So he it, had was the like, best one. it was like, congrats, Rick to life. Yeah. Like, like before <laughs> eBay, but like rare stuff that you couldn't find, like it even was, the bands. It was rare, but it wasn't even necessarily just rare stuff. It was just like current, like seven inches, like, you know, like Get Up Kids or like Morning Again or like just like whatever. Huh. Like a lot of vinyl. But they could sell them at the show the band was playing in and sell them for more. Sometimes that would happen, especially at these big festivals. Yeah. Sometimes they would be selling stuff and the band happened to be playing. And then it was like the bands would get sort of annoyed. I think most of the time it was just people from their local scene going to local shows, though. Yeah. I do too. I don't, I don't think most people. But there's not like a, but isn't there like a count out for stuff for like merch, but that wouldn't qualify? This was, no, this is at like. VFW halls and basements and stuff. No house. Nobody's bringing a distro to the House of Blues. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean I can't come in with these boxes? This isn't a good place to set up. I can't sell my Catch Twenty Two CDs here. (laughs) Come on, it's bullshit. But yeah, selling yeah, merch at a house of blues is the worst thing in the world to do. Is it? What, what's their percentage? I don't know what the percentage is, but it's like dehumanizing because you get there, some twenty-year-old kid counts all your merch for you. You can't do anything. You have to just stand there, and then at the end of the night, at like one a.m., when all you want to do is leave so bad and go to a hotel. There's just this kid counting everything. And, like, you know, if you're a support band, you probably make like sometimes you only make like 100 to 200 bucks. So he counts all your stuff for like a half an hour. And then you, and then he goes, All right, you owe me uh, 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just give him 20 bucks and then it's over. And it's just like, What? How about I give you 40 and then I will leave now? Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, fake problems touring. Would you. If you have like a, you know, if you're headlining, you have a couple supporting bands and they want to sell their merch for less, would you be cool with that? Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've only been on one tour where we had to price match. Okay. Yeah. And even then it wasn't that big of a deal. I think it's a weird thing because it's like, if someone's going to buy another, like, I feel like I would never be like, I want to buy this band's shirt. I love it. But it's $5 more than this other shirt. Someone else is selling for this band. I'm don't care about yeah, it. I it guess is, I'm going to buy the cheaper bullshit. shirt. It's such like, a minimal difference, too. It's always too, the like, way, right? It's dude, I told you that was one of the reasons... <sighs> I don't want to get back into that. Oh, it was, oh I know exactly what you're but talking about. I get about. kicked off the fucking homo tour. 
The witch tour? That's all I'll the say. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> One of these days, Brad, we're going to interview We've you. We've talked about it. Dig yeah. through the archives. You yeah. know which tour it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another West Coast. Hmm. <laughs> Quote unquote legend. See this. This is this is one of the fun things about uh, Brad. Chris is one day he was talking about um, being on because I go into rants. That's what's he was being. He was he was he was on a tour with Rancid. He was like, yeah, Lint and I were hanging out, and that wasn't the point of the story. But Joan and I were just so excited to hear someone call him Lint. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty legit. (laughs) I don't even know who that is. That's Tim Armstrong. Tim Armstrong. But if you get like an Operation Ivy CD, he's credited as like. Oh wow! So it's like his his kind of old nickname. Gosh, I'm so. But that's what Stormy called. Sometimes yeah. I was introduced by Stormy to him, who's still booking and doing all that. Her name, his name. Is that is the whole price matching thing? Is that the venue? Or no, it's the, the band. It's yeah, the yeah. band. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's. I think it's in in the music scene that I think we're all involved in is pretty rare. That's yeah. Because like if you go to Mass Square Garden, I know that. That place costs you money to Well, play. you can't even sell your own merch at Madison Square. Well, they mark it at 51%. Oh, wow. And, they, yeah, and they have somebody else sell they it. They do everything, and and they. the story is if you play there, you play there because you want to say you've done it. Yeah. But the only people that can make money there are like Ellen John, Neil Diamond, Billy Joel, Springsteen. Yeah, I mean, we played at Radio... And, and I think Streisand's like the one person who's like a given she makes right. everything back. We, we played at Radio City Music Hall with Gaslight Anthem and just like hearing the behind the scenes operations of that thing is just like yeah no one's really making that much money at this show it's just like a really cool venue to play it's at. a cool venue and they have neat little secret rooms you can go up and hang out well, steven in. knows about some secrets there at radio city music hall we played there and they they in our dressing we had our own floor to ourselves we were f- the first of three so was on that rival schools okay yeah what a show and wow we each had t- a 20 minute set us and rival schools um but it was so much, it was the coolest thing ever. We had to show up at seven o'clock in the morning to load in or not to load in to let other people you don't load touch in. It. That's a local one joint. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and there was like a lot of like confusion about whether we were playing or not, uh, leading up to it. Cause we, it was like towards the end of a tour with the gaslight anthem. And in the beginning we were like, we have been told like, oh, we actually can't play the show. And then Gaslight were able to pull some strings and get us on the show. I don't know the logistics of it, but I guess it's like complicated to just do anything with Radio City. Um, and so, so much confusion. And then finally we're, oh, we're on the show. And then we get there and like, we, I remember me and Casey, our old guitar player, walked out onto the stage like as everything is like being set up and just like, it's it's like breathtaking. It's crazy. It's uh, the biggest stage in the world. It's so beautiful, and and Casey was just like, I I understand why we wouldn't be allowed to play here. I totally get it. But it was, did, did you get like a, like a board feed of the show? Did you get to hear? No, it? I'm glad we didn't because there was so we played. We sound checked and everything. Everything was great, and then we played, and the power went off on half half of the stage. Um, and so basically just the bass was out but everything else was on but for like for the whole set there was like bass and then no bass bass no bass so i'm glad there's no audio of it and i guess in the in the in the house there was still bass coming through cuz it was di'd but on stage it was like it was terrifying. It was like a meltdown because we were like what's happening but we just powered through it because we only had 20 minutes to play mm-hmm. This is crazy. 
And then there's like a bouquet of flowers that says fake problems on it in the dressing room and stuff like that. Thanks for playing here. It's crazy. That joint is like in that room. That place sounds so phenomenal. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a great place to see. Yeah, I saw um, saw Wilco there. Cool, oh, that must have been awesome. It, right? was, it was great, but I'm on the school of I like that band before Nels Klein was in it. But then I don't play guitar, so. Nels Klein is the best guitar player of all he's time. Phenomenal, <laughs> he's phenomenal, but that's incredible. why I don't like him in the band. I mean, I'm like, it's, oh, it's, God. Oh, it's when, too jammy for you? Going. When he joined, yeah. I mean, I feel like it became a completely different band. Yes, I agree. That's when I got into him, Sky really? Blue Sky. Is that, that's the record he joined in. And yep. that, that's when yeah. they started winning Grammys and stuff. No, he was on Ghost is Born, I'm pretty sure. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. We think he was yep. on Ghost is Born. Okay. See, I was more, I was into them in college. Like, I was more into them, like, when Yankee Hill Self Rock like, I had a bootleg of it. Because yep. they put it online, mm-hmm. and then it didn't come out for, like, years later. Oh, that's a great rock doc. Yeah, that's a great rock doc. Oh, that's an doc. amazing one. That's but, a really good one. But I was really into Uncle Tupelo, so I was really into, like, mm-hmm. AM being there. Like, those I records. I saw Cigarosa at uh, Radio City. Really? I saw Death Cab there once. And Conan O'Brien. I think I saw Death Cab. Yeah. I saw that Conan O'Brien show. <laughs> I just say, is that your Cigarosa cover band? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cigarosa are in the studio right now. Yeah. yeah. There's an Australian Cigarosa cover band. Really? Yep. Yeah. Cigar kangaroos. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Hooray. There's a, Thank you. A, a pun on par with Laura Jane Grapes. <laughs> yes, well played. <laughs> I've been trying to get Laura on the podcast, and I think I just set us like five steps back. <laughs> Laura, if you're listening, please come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, that, I think that'll bring her in. Um, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they were so great, though. That show was, was so fun. Oh, the, against me? Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. It was um, great. Adam Willard is such a beast. Dude. So good. It's so cool that Against Me has always been such a good live band. And at this point, it's, you know, Lauren James, but like to go through so many different rhythm sections and still be such a good live band. Yeah. And I think the rhythm section is so like important to being a good live band. So I think it's just a testament to maybe... Laura and James, like yeah, leadership. No, that, is a, that is a great point because that you you need that lockdown. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, bringing Adam in. I mean, God bless it. I love that dude. Yeah, He's just so good. Yeah, in every band. Yep. Well, maybe not the special goodness. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, dude, uh, what's next for you? What's next for Chris Farron? What's next for me? Oh, I'm Let's going bring it home with this. I'm going home. It's back to Naples. Contemplating my life gonna for a few months. Throw a dart at the map of the U.S. and yeah. figure out where you're gonna live. Where I'm gonna live. What's up, Tulsa? Uh, working out some details of the fake problem stuff. Hopefully, wrapping that record up and getting it out to the people. No, sometime, dude. You always have a home here. We'll put it out on um, going off track records. Great, love it. <laughs> yep. um, uh, I think we're gonna make another Antarctica Vespucci record. Awesome. Nice. Um, in our in Artigo Vespucci tour, I can barely even say the stupid band name. You want you, you, that, that's why <laughs> it's it's moronic. <laughs> it truly is. And God, we were so close to naming the band Gmail, and we wish so much that we did. God bless. I think it. we'd have a United Nations situation G- on our hands. Uh, no, Gmail. Gmail. M A L E. Yeah, yeah. I would want it just to be Gmail and use like the mail, the let the envelope logo and everything. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, so we're doing that. Um, I'm doing another split that I shouldn't have even just brought up because I can't really talk about it, but it's with somebody who is like my musical hero, and that's going to come out, I think, next year on Record Store Day. Um, 
and, and some podcasts we can expect. I got some pod. I got the Wingnuts podcast. Uh, check that out on SoundCloud. I got the Back to the Island podcast. Check that out on iTunes, SoundCloud. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna be doing T-shirt. some cool stuff around christmas let's just say that we forgot to you have to come back because next time around we have to talk about the aaron carter stuff oh yeah that's right so we're let's tease that now should yeah. we next should time. we should we uh get to it in the outro oh, that's right <laughs> should we i don't care i'll talk about sure. it forever yeah yeah yes let's do it in the outro so aaron carter wait is this the outro this, now yeah, yeah we're rolling okay. <laughs> music's rolling wait a minute okay this- oh wow look at that <laughs> Well, the after show. Uh, so that podcast is over. Chris is still here. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and uh, let's talk about Aaron Carter to take us out. Chris, you recently saw Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter. Okay, so my friend Casey Lee and I, seems like I do a lot of stuff with this Casey Lee character. Um, <laughs> I went, we were in LA and we went to see Aaron Carter live in concert at a place called the Canyon Club. Uh, all day leading up to it, I found out he was Casey found out he was playing and he was like, do you want to go to this? We weren't doing anything that night. And so I just started tweeting at Aaron Carter, like abusing my verified Twitter status and just being like, hopefully he'll notice me and say something back. And I'm just like tweeting at him and I made like a hashtag that said, put Chris on the list and just like trying to get on the guest list, just hammering him hard on the internet, never responded. So I was just like, let's just go anyway. Um, We went I asked if I was on the guest list anyway at the at the box office. The guy said no. There's an audio clip of it on the internet if you want to uh, insert that here or just check it out on on, on SoundCloud slash Chris Farron. Um, uh, and I guess there were five opening bands, but we showed up just in time to see him play. Thank God. I can't even imagine what five opening bands for Aaron Carter would be like. I can't imagine what five opening bands sounds like except death. Yeah, it's the Aaron Carter Festival. Um, uh, so we basically just watched Aaron Carter play. There was about 50 to 60 people there. It was in like a weird, a place called the Canyon Club, which seems like it's mostly for Sweet Sixteens. It's like a maybe a 200 capacity venue. There were tables like banquet style set up everywhere, but Did no you one crash was crash a party. It seemed like it. It felt like it. 25 bucks though. Jeez Louise. Um, <laughs> uh and he played he played a couple covers. He played Turn Down for What? He's just basically sang that song and danced around the stage. He had like a hype man and a DJ. His DJ's name was DJ Stizza. Which I thought was exceptionally funny because that's the guy from Leftover Crack's name. <laughs> um, and he did not play. He played uh, Aaron's Party, which is one of his hits. He played it twice. The first time he played it, he just rapped it really fast with acapella. And then right afterwards went into the actual song, mm. which was very fun and very exciting. And Casey and maybe I were, were doing poppers the whole time. I don't know if you know what poppers is. <laughs> Aim on nitrate. Yeah. What? That's what we were doing while we were there. It's going to make you bang your head on the cement floor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, totally legal, baby. <laughs> but yeah, probably never going to do that again. What, <laughs> what, poppers or see Aaron Carter? Um, maybe both. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he said some weird stuff during his set, like, 
Like, you know, I, I know, I know, my career has its ups and downs, but, you know, who, who here is ready for an Aaron Carter comeback? Wee! <laughs> like the 40 people there. Um, at a certain point, I felt just kind of sad that I was there, and, and I was like, is this just mean-spirited that I'm even here? <laughs> Are you supporting them, though? I yeah, mean, like, I did even- give them freaking 50 bucks, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, did you get to meet him and do poppers with him? No, I wanted to meet him. It would have been great to get an actual picture with him, except there's a bunch of pictures on the internet of me just like up against the, the stage and him in the background. Now you just have to send him a framed tweet. He gave me a white rose. He, you personally? He had, he had a dozen roses and he would hand them to people in the crowd during the songs and somehow I managed to get one. Yeah, you did. I still have it. You know what that means, don't you? Did the roadie come see you afterwards? <laughs> no, I wish. But the, the, somebody did, they did bring up three girls. They brought up three girls on stage and Aaron like serenaded each of them and like kissed them on like the ears and like nibbled their ears. It wow, was horrifying. weirdly very gross and bizarre. I feel this outro is taking a horrible turn. I think it's taking an amazing turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming by, Chris. Thank you for having me. We'll see you anytime. next time. Yeah. yeah see you Please. Soon. See you next like, week. Um, <laughs> Visit us at goingofftrack.com. Hit Twitter's, us up on the Facebook. Facebook, twitter.com slash goingofftrack. Follow Chris, Chris Farron. Um, he's verified unlike the rest of us. He's verified. Unlike, yeah, baby. Unlike all of us. And uh, yeah. Go, go listen to Chris and Jonah. Yeah. Listen, and Brad's band. Listen to all I of our bands. I don't play. <laughs> and keep an eye out for, for new, new stuff by Chris. It's, uh, follow him on Twitter. That's probably the best way for people to find out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. For sure. All right. All right.